We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast presented by DraftKings. It is Tuesday, February 13th, Valentine's Day Eve. Uh, huge day, you know, for both of us. Um, but more importantly, it's Luke Ridnour's birthday. And you and I both know it's his 37th birthday. Yes. Uh, one of the all-time great bucks uh, and the best player in NBA history, hands down, to ever be born in the state of Idaho. One of five players in NBA history. Uh, who can claim to be an Idaho native. Uh, someone named Steve Hayes would have been the previous holder of best player ever to come okay. out of Idaho. Uh, he played in 212 career games, played about 2,200 career minutes. Luke Rednauer played in 830 games and played almost 2,200 minutes. Does it surprise you that someone from Idaho became one of the league's most elite mid-range jump shooters? Not at all. Okay. Not one bit. Um, and that's exactly what what Luke Rednauer was. I think, though, he might be best remembered for holding the unofficial record for involvement in most transactions in like a week. Yes. Um, and so we took a look at his transaction log uh, from our good friends at Basketball Reference, and the action really starts to heat up in February of 2014. So at that point, he had been with the Bucks for a while. Uh, I, I don't remember if they won any titles during that span. I think they might have. But he was traded along with Gary Neal, another centerpiece of those great Bucks teams mm-hmm. of the uh, early 2010s, to the Charlotte then Bobcats for Jeff Adrian and Ramon Sessions. Ramon Sessions, another former Buck. Right, right. Uh, multi-time Buck, I believe. Uh, he he had a, a span with the Bucks early in his career, didn't he? I think and so. Then he ended Did up he come back? back? In this trade, yeah. Oh, man, this is all um, getting us all confused. That was brief. Jeff Adrian had a nice little run with, like, that all-time bad Bucks team that led the Jabari pick. Pretty sure he crashed a car into, like, an airport or something along those lines. Like, into involved. the building, or he just, like, drove it onto a tarmac, started doing donuts? It was something – I Jeff might be Adrian. confusing him with DMX, who got in an airport incident. He, I, I know it was involved something with, like, a carjacking. Like, Jeff Adrian, oh. like, stole a car from a valet and just, like, crashed it. Okay. Basically. Um, and yeah, believe because it or not, because of the Luke Rittenauer trade, right? I think so. Okay. Because of the Luke Rittenauer trade, and, and believe it or not, Adrian hasn't played since then. So Luke Rittenauer, um, after that trade, 
you know, ends up signing a two-year deal with the Magic. Then we got to cut to uh, June of 2015. So after the 2015 season, the Warriors won the title. You know, the league is starting to go into a little bit of a lull. Mm-mm. The Orlando Magic trade Luke Ridnauer to the Memphis Grizzlies for someone named Giannis Timma, who has never been heard from again. Then later that day, the Memphis Grizzlies trade Luke Ridnauer to the Charlotte Hornets for Matt Barnes. Then later that day, <laughs> Charlotte <laughs> trades him to Oklahoma City for Jeremy Lamb, which is kind of a that, pretty good return yeah, for a guy on the third nice. trade of the day. Uh, and then five days after that, OKC sends him to Toronto with some cash for Tomislav Zubchich uh, and a trade exception. So he played for, well, he technically didn't play for any of these teams, but he was a member of four teams in one day and five teams in the matter of six days from June 25th to June 30th, 2015. That's Not many guys can say that. In fact, probably no guys can say that besides him. That I think that will be his legacy. I think it will. I honestly think it will because he never really did anything after that. I mean, like I said, you know, the mid-range jump shooting, I think that's what I always come back to. In 2010-11, he didn't do this with the Bucs, um, but he shot 57% from 10 to 16 feet. It was that. I thought it was closer to like 100%. Um, I mean, it's that's. I mean, 57 is closer to 100 than zero. Mm-hmm. In oh, that, that is true. If you yeah. round up, I, I typically round up if it's over 50. Same here. Well, yeah, I mean, one of the all-time great mid-range shooters, um, that was kind of his, like you said, kind of his calling card. I mean, a decent assist guy for parts of his career, probably peaked, what, in like with those bad Minnesota teams. He had a couple nice years. He was a shooting guard one year. Right. This You can never get on the right team. I think that was the issue. With I think so, too. Um, okay, a lot to get to. We will start, speaking of Luke Ridnauer, might as well just dive into this. Brandon Jennings is back, <laughs> not in the NBA, technically, not yet. Uh, he's in the G League. He made himself available after the conclusion uh, of his overseas season, and it did not take long for him to be claimed off waivers by the Wisconsin Herd. Who were at the top of the waiver right. wire order, and they just they just took it. They were like, we might as well... Um, good for attendance i assume right. i thought about buying tickets tickets and yeah. um that was my first reaction too was to type in wisconsin herd schedule i saw i mean you can get lower level for like 18 bucks yeah um unbelievable but yeah i mean he played it really depends on what you consider well in china because he did score 28 points a game but he also shot 43 percent which concerns me from a guy who shot 31 percent after he tore his achilles um i i mean 43 percent would be by far his best shooting season in the nba oh that's a good point okay i didn't i didn't take that into consideration he's finally hitting his prime i mean he's 28 do you i mean do you think he will play another nba is the over under for nba games played 0.5 oh i would take the over on that take the over on that absolutely i mean he's in his whole career or this season um Oh man! Lifetime games played from here on out. I will definitely take the over. Take the over. Okay. Much worse players have played. That's a really good point. And he's only twenty eight. Right. Like he can do this. He's going to do the Josh Smith thing, the Terrence Jones thing, the for a while, the Michael Beasley thing. Like when guys, you know, you hear about these deals back in September, October. Like you know, player X is signing overseas, and you just kind of forget about him. But what you don't remember is that the 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 foreign seasons, especially the Chinese season, ends so early that these guys every year there's two or three guys who come back and end up you know signing on for you know whether it's the rest of the season you know basically it's just like a, an additional buyout right um and that's kind of what Jennings is I, I don't think I mean I don't think any teams are really going to be clamoring to get Brandon Jennings on their roster um but who, you know an, an injury or two it, it wouldn't be the it wouldn't be the craziest thing that's true who Oh man! I mean, if Derrick Rose can can barely get on our roster at this point, well, there's probably some good Derrick Rose versus Brandon Jennings. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's we can get into here, but right. If you want to make the case that Derrick Rose should be signed by someone, then you have to make the same case for Brandon Jennings. Probably because one of them can shoot threes, right? And one of them has scored 55 points in a game. One of them is not. Is what it comes that's, down to. Yeah. That's the ultimate X factor. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into. I was going to bring up Rose anyway. Um, we'll talk a little bit about post deadline stuff, um, but I wanted to start with buyouts. And this is, I mean, I wouldn't say it's 
it's definitely not the greatest crop of buyouts, at least so far. Um, you know, teams have until the end of the month to to add a buyout and still have that player be eligible to play in the postseason. So, you know, there might be a couple guys who kind of shake loose over these next few weeks and, you know, things can develop over the break. But, you know, as of now, the biggest name to be bought out was probably Joe Johnson. I think it was it's Joe It's kind Johnson. of a three-way tie between him, Bellinelli, and Greg <laughs> Monroe. You know, and, like, none of these guys – are really big, big time impact players. I, I think Monroe, you know, if he gets in the right situation with Boston, could be a difference maker. I mean, not that long ago, he was a very, very good bench player for the Bucks. Yeah. But he did not look good on Sunday against the Cavs. He got exposed defensively. I think he only okay. played five minutes. Um, and certainly that total will come up. But I did think that was an odd call by him because New Orleans was ready to take him on and he that that's a place where he might not have started but he would have been seeing by default close to 20 minutes if not more you'd think on a lot of yeah. nights i mean this is, i mean new orleans started emeka okafor they did night. so that's like to put things in context emeka okafor started an nba game for the pelicans last night and greg monroe basically <laughs> turned down that spot um he's from he's from basically new orleans you know it, it was an odd odd choice i mean i guess you, you can obviously boston better chance to be in the finals yeah it was championships and money wasn't it because i think new orleans yeah. could only offer him two and a half 2.2 and i think the celtics could offer him five yeah that's right that is right um even still i mean the money thing is probably the bigger the bigger draw at this point you know i'd heard the point made that you know yeah the celtics are you know if you if you want to compare them especially straight up against new orleans obviously the celtics have the better chance to make the finals but it's not like greg monroe is joe johnson and he wants to make a finals before his career's over you know, yeah like greg monroe is what like 20 28 like he's excessively young yeah and he still has plenty of time left right like it's not it's not this isn't the end of the career just jump on and hope <laughs> things go well and that's kind of what joe johnson is doing in houston yeah you know, you know he he's another guy that a lot of teams were after and it's clear that he took a what's going to be a reduced role for that team you know with yeah the, where's he is how is he going to get his minutes if everyone's healthy right and that's what was kind of puzzling about it is like joe johnson is not washed up joe johnson was arguably the jazz like co-best player for part of that playoff series yeah last year against the clippers and you know clearly he wasn't going to stay in sacramento you know, things didn't really work out in utah this year but i think he still has some left in the tank that's it was just an odd fit to me you know i mean I guess if you can shoot in your guard, you can fit in in Houston. But defensively, you know, the way that they play doesn't exactly scream someone whose nickname is ISO, you know. <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, I if you're Houston, it's like, yeah, if it's the difference between, you know, you have, you have basically Gerald Green now and, and Brandon Wright, which Brandon Wright, too, another odd one. That's odd, but they I mean, he's I mean, Clint Capella is not that tall is he i mean brandon wright's like a legitimate shot blocking presence i don't know if capella i i just think wright's height may maybe that was their thinking you know the rockets like we need someone just we need one just tall guy against the warriors just in case well they're pretty yeah i mean i think just to to guard the zaza types or to guard you know even a a gobert type in the playoffs for five minutes at a time like that type of and the other thing is they just don't have a ton of depth in the front court you know i mean a lot of times it's like ryan anderson as your small ball five yeah which you really can't get away with against a lot of teams in playoff series nene nene's been good you know but he's you know he's limited on back-to-backs he's basically playing 10 to 14 minutes when he's out there yeah if he gets hurt at any point all of a sudden you basically have no backup center you have Tariq black which right you know which they can work sometimes but yeah and i think like brandon Wright, you're basically picking up for free it was like why not yeah and he has injury issues but like you picked him up for free Mm-hmm. and it would if he gets injured and Nene gets injured it's like well right i mean you know so. yeah I, I still i mean it goes back to the point that there's just not that many there's just not that many buyout options I, I don't know that there's a guy out there that's really really going to you know move the needle for any of these teams whether they're a contender or not i mean what did you think about Bellinelli going to philly I mean, I liked it more when he was shooting like elite from three. He cooled off really hard after maybe over the past like month and a half. I don't know if it was a playing time thing because he was getting like 30 minutes, it felt like before every night and just hitting an insane amount of threes. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's cooled off. And I mean, it's it's good because they, you know, the, um, the 76ers can get in foul trouble sometimes. 
um, and they can never really have too much shooting on the court, especially when Ben Simmons is your point guard and provides no real floor spacing. Um, and I mean, Redick and Bellinelli, you have those two guys out there if you need some three-point shooting, and I mean, you can just... I guess that's your best chance at maybe a comeback if you're down big or something in the playoffs. You just need some threes, throw those guys out there and see what happens. Right. Like you said, I think it all comes back to Simmons, honestly. Like when you have a point guard who, and you put it generously, like a point guard who just doesn't, he has zero made threes on the year. And he, yeah. I mean, when's the last time he's like attempted a non-desperation type of three? Like, I mean, he's just, it's just not a part of his game at all. When you have that, you need to surround that guy with as many shooters as you can. Jared Bayless has been banged up. Yeah, Lawawu Cabarro just hasn't looked all that good when he was filling in. Um, and I, I had heard that they were trying to move Bayless at the deadline. Oh, really? I think they were one. I forget who had reported it that I think they were trying to get Tyreek from Memphis, but Memphis refused to take back Bayless as, as part of the deal. Like Philly was willing to do. Does he have a? Does Bayless's contract not? It's not terrible i mean it's three for 27 it's nine nine mil this year and then about eight and 8.6 million next year okay so i mean not horrible but i I just memphis was not in a position where they wanted to take on any money right you know especially if they're going to try to resign tyreek next year but bail i mean i think to me bales might just be out of the rotation like he was he's already got a couple dmp cds right since coming back from injury um mcconnell's dropping triple doubles with six steals (laughs) Lou yeah, Williams, like, you see the, the Do you see the Lou Williams tweet where Lou Williams just tweeted like TJ McConnell is the goat, basically, yeah. um, which I thought That's was great. fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean Bayless is good. I was good, I guess, but I just I think he's just kind of the odd man out now. Yeah, because he's not really a shooting guard. He's just a, he's like a scoring just a guard. point guard. He's just, he's just a guard who shoots. A general guard. And when you have, I, I mean, when you have Simmons, it's it's just like. It, they have such a weird team situation just mm-hmm. because of the way that just the fact that Ben Simmons is on the team that they having more than like TJ McConnell as your backup point guard seems odd. And then you just need to have like actual shooting guards like mm-hmm. for, you know, Luau Cabarro isn't great, but he's an actual he's got the size of a shooting guard and he can right. play he's some long. defense. Yeah, I think yeah. defensively he's more valuable for them. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Do you buy the kind of popular opinion that if you're Toronto or Boston or even Cleveland, that Philly is the team you don't want to play in round one, whether they fall 6th, 7th, 8th, wherever? Um, I mean, I would if – I, if I was you know Toronto, Boston, or Cleveland, I would rather play – I'd rather play probably Milwaukee, Washington, Indiana, Detroit. This version of Washington, yes. But like let's assume Washington stays four or five. Which is very you know, which could very likely not be the case. I mean, 70, I mean Like to you, like is it people are talking as if it's like, man, you'd much rather play Indiana or you'd much rather play Miami or even Detroit than Philly. Just when the argument is basically what, that they have two guys who at times can be the best player in any game yeah i mean the there's just some really hard matchups like either way like i don't mm-hmm. know who on boston's realistically guarding ben simmons and joel mb right well that, that's that's what's so unique about because they Philly. put al horford on simmons right. and then it's like well are you putting you putting you almost Baines or have... monroe on Embiid all game i mean Baines, yeah but monroe's not that's not gonna work I'm right <laughs> exactly dice maybe i don't know okay. yeah I, I think they have a lot of bodies now that they can throw at someone like Embiid. right you know i mean you have but it, like none of those guys are like great defenders you know baines is like pretty good in the restricted area Tice yeah. is pretty good in the restricted area but none of those guys are going to run out on Embiid shooting threes and that's where you, i feel like horford almost has to be that guy unless you do markeith morris yeah i mean who's guarding ben simmons right. on cleveland either i guess you can do jalen brown on simmons right is he too he's not he's not too small for that i don't think he's too small for that but 
I feel like that just creates other see, and I feel like that that if you put Jalen Brown on Simmons, then Jalen Brown's not on. Right. He's not chasing Reddick around. Well, what's so unique about Simmons is that it does force you. It forces you to take not necess- not your best backcourt defender, but take your best wing defender or big defender and put it on the point guard. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you have. And then it's just right. chaos from there. Exactly. So I wouldn't. I mean, I feel like Toronto maybe is matched up the best mm-hmm. against Philly. The combination with Baca and Valanciunas yep. on. Embiid and then Lowry um I, I mean they can just throw those like OG Ananobi yeah, and they just have guys Siakam. they just have yeah who can maybe guard Ben Simmons but they're just a really good team defense not that Boston mm-hmm. isn't I just feel like Toronto has the size to overcome what Philly brings yeah. to the table and that's why I mean I would agree so that's why I mean if I was Boston I would very much rather play um like Indiana like Detroit Milwaukee yeah. Yeah, Indiana doesn't scare me. They just don't have the depth. And like as good as Oladipo has been, I think in a playoff series, it becomes a little easier to defend him. They just they just don't really have a true number two guy. Like Miles Turner hasn't really been that guy. Yeah, and this will be really interesting to see how this pans out because all these teams, I mean, four through four through eight is two games in the loss column yeah. within one another. Um, so this could literally shake out any way. I mean, I know I wouldn't want to play. It's it's like a classic. I don't want to say trope, but like you don't want to play Miami. Probably, I've watched the Bucks play Miami like three times, yeah. and they get embarrassed. It's they can't. There's mm-hmm. Miami so good defensively. I wouldn't want to play them in the first round, right. and that's the Pat Riley. I guess that's the team he created. Like we're the team you don't want to play in the first yeah. round. Yeah, I mean they're just kind of a worse version to me of Toronto in a lot of ways. You know, yeah, they go they go eight, nine, ten deep. They don't have the two guys at the top like Toronto does, and Lowry and DeRozan, but. I mean, Miami's Miami's five, six, seven, eight guys are as good as any team mm-hmm. in the league, really. Um, and I mean, you mentioned Cavaliers are thirty-three and twenty-two. They're in third place, six games back of Toronto. Um, there's only three and a half games that separate third place Cleveland and eighth place Miami, and that's kind of mirrored in the Western Conference as well. Like I was looking, yeah. we'll get into Utah in a second. Utah's won ten games in a row, and they went from a team that looked like you might have to hit somewhat of a reset, you know, at the deadline. And, and obviously they didn't really, uh, they, traded doing, Hood. they did trade hood, you know, they got Crowder back. It wasn't exactly like a dump to get a younger, you know, a younger player. It was just a change, right? I, it was just a change. It's it, like, it was a, it was the move. It was the type of move a team in their situation makes not to tank necessarily. I mean, it was kind of a similar thing to what the Clippers did. You know, obviously they made their bigger move getting rid of Blake, but by not trading Deandre, by re-signing Lou Williams, that kind of sent the message like, look, we're in this thing. We're, we're going to at least, we're not going to go crazy if we don't make the playoffs, but we're going to at least try. And I think Utah is kind of doing that same thing. They are only five games out of the four seed. Fourth place Minnesota is up only four games on the Clippers, five games on Utah. That's where the drop-off is. But four through ten in the Western Conference is still very, very much up for grabs. Yeah, the problem is I just don't know who's going to slip out. That's the thing. Like, I think like Utah could theoretically get in. They have the talent to get in. I like the I kind of like the hood trade to some extent for them. Um, but either, I mean, I think maybe the Pelicans are the team that would fall out that would give Utah the ability to jump up because I still I still I can't I can't really imagine Denver not making the playoffs, especially when Millsap comes back. They're right. only That's Denver's the only going to get better. Right. Absolutely. I agree with that. The um, thing is with the Pelicans, if Davis misses any game going forward, they pretty much lose automatically unless they're yeah. playing the Suns or the Kings. Well, you're starting front court of Emeka Okafor Good and God. Nikola Mirotic. Are you saying is that not an That's elite? That's what I'm saying. And like, how weird Etuan is it Moore. that they traded Cunningham too? Not that Dante Cunningham is a good basketball player, but... The real tragedy is that that ended up in Rashad Vaughn right. getting waved. Yeah, I after although getting traded I did, twice. I want to say it was Mark Stein who who had said that Cunningham asked for that and they were just kind of willing to say like, you know, admit that it just didn't work out and let him go. Well, that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like I mean they need some sort of depth. They're like <laughs> yeah. they're, they're they need more depth in the front court than maybe any team in the league. And then I didn't him, understand the trade at any level. No, so. right. And like to flip him for a terrible guard who you just wave, you know, it'd be one and, thing if they flipped him for like another really middling forward. And why did Brooklyn do it? I, I have no idea. Just good faith, no good idea. karma. 
Yeah, I don't know what. Maybe there's a relationship there. <laughs> I do not know. I have no information on that one. That's whatsoever. really the most perplexing trade of the the whole deadline. Let's take a quick break so I can talk about DraftKings. We have a special offer for RotoWire podcast listeners, courtesy of our friends at DraftKings. We're offering a free six month RotoWire subscription to new users of DraftKings. All you have to do create a DraftKings account and make your first deposit of at least ten dollars. And you get that free six-month subscription to RotoWire. You'll also receive a free $3 ticket for a one-day fantasy sports contest that'll be deposited into that DraftKings account. You can play for a shot at winning big cash prizes. All you have to do is visit DraftKings.com slash RotoWire 2018. Again, that's DraftKings.com slash RotoWire 2018 to sign up and claim your free subscription today. So looking at the East... Toronto one, Boston two, Cleveland three. Um, Cleveland hammered Boston at the Garden on Sunday. That was brutal. LeBron did not play in the fourth quarter. No. Uh, for the first time in a win, I would guess all year. I think he sat out a fourth quarter about a month ago, but it was it was in a blowout loss to the Timberwolves. Um, how do you rank these teams now? I guess one, how much stock do you put into that specific game? Two, you know, if you're if the playoffs started tomorrow. How would you rank these teams in terms of most likely to get to the NBA Finals? I don't want to put like a obviously a lot of stock into that blowout, but I liked I liked the style they played more, um, and I was always a pro a proponent of the the teams that LeBron is on at this point in his career need more high energy like wing players because he's not really a wing player anymore he's a he's really a power forward at this point at least on defense and so kind of getting you know these these fast athletic guys who can slice into the lane and you know because he's an amazing passer if you make if you make the right cut and you beat your man he'll find you um they shoot a lot of threes they're not afraid Mm -hmm. to you know they didn't really get and and the one thing is i don't think they i'm not sure they got overall better defensively but i really like the way george hill played um, I felt like he was he's the right point guard for LeBron and I my thoughts were kind of realized when I watched him on the court um, but I guess at this point um, I don't know I still to me the likelihood of going to the NBA finals I would still put Cleveland one um, Toronto two, Boston three I I for, think yeah I think that's about right for most of the year I just I just feel like Boston doesn't have the talent to keep like they're really well coached obviously but we kind of saw they really struggle at times to get offense. Mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving can only do so much. Al Horford can only do so much and he's more of a distributor anyway. So how many actual scorers do they have on that team? One. I mean if you really start counting Jason Tatum, I feel like that's a de- like if you count Jason Tatum as your second best isolation scorer, that already kind of puts you in a hole. Right. And he is um i mean he's he's hit a little bit of a wall over the last month and i think that's maybe one of their biggest concerns i mean he was such a huge part of the reason why they were so good i mean i totally forgot they won like 16 straight games earlier this year they did and And during that span he was basically shooting 60 percent from three yeah and it's not like he was taking 10 a game but when you have a guy who's just automatic basically who's a rookie and it's like anything that you that they were going to get from tatum this year was kind of gravy and less so you know after the hayward injury yeah but for him to step in and play that well, even if it's only for the first three months of the year, is huge. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I think, I not, and not necessarily just because of Sunday's game. Although, mm. I will say, like if you, I've watched 90% of the Cavs games probably this year, and I mean, you, if you, even if you didn't watch the game Sunday, I'm sure you saw the highlights. Like the way that that team played, the way that the bench reacted, mm-hmm. the way that LeBron specifically, like it was night and day. It really was. It was. And I watched it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, you know, first quarter, LeBron is locked in. You know, he's staring. I think part of it, too, is the Paul Pierce thing. Like, I think you, so, too. You see LeBron's the videos kinda, of him staring down. Those Pierce, are really funny. That was incredible. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I think that helped. I think, like, we hadn't seen that version of LeBron in a long time. Like, over the last month or so, I think he's been so, like, fed up with Crowder and Isaiah and whoever else, probably Dwayne Wade to some degree, that, like, it did kind of seem like he, he was only going 70 80%. And like I've right. talked, I talked about this with James, where like it, it felt to me that he was almost like glaring, you know, like you know, in, in a roundabout way, like 
using his play to like send a glare to the front office like look at how bad these guys are when <laughs> i am not you know going crazy like look at how bad these guys are when i'm not setting them up perfectly every single time and you know i think he went back into that into that mode where everything ran through him nobody was questioning it you know he could kind of operate in peace and what do you have 18 assists the previous game against the Hawks, yeah, um, in, a, in a blowout win, and then you know twenty four ten and eight in three quarters against a much much better Boston team. I think I, I like this team because it's kind of like a reboot of his original stint in Cleveland. Like right. his his original stint in Cleveland was like, okay, we have LeBron, let's just put a bunch of like very good pieces around him. We'll have the best player on earth just facilitate everything. We'll win a championship because he'll be at his best because everything goes through him. And then you saw in Miami, it was like, well, okay, what if we put LeBron next to these, you know, other superstars? And then they won that way. And now he's come back and they tried to do, they tried to run back. They basically tried to do the heat formula, which is like, okay, let's put LeBron next to two stars, see how this goes. And for some reason, it just didn't gel. It wasn't the right guys. And now they're just like, what if we, you know, and this, this probably wasn't, I mean, they probably weren't thinking the exact same thing, but it's like, maybe maybe it didn't work the first time not because it was the wrong concept but because we had the wrong guys in his original stint in cleveland yeah well for sure well <laughs> I, would, I don't think anyone is arguing that like 38 year old Shaq was the right guy right. or like daniel gibson was the right guy like it's it is though that's i also said that to james last week too like it, this is the they're like redoing that style but with much better players and yep. no one else on this roster right now you know will probably ever make an all-star team um right i mean who who else on this on this team like corver's made one already i guess but no one that played on so. sunday is going to make an all-star yeah. team in their career but they're all pretty decent you know i mean they're all like pretty good role players and i i think in the past lebron's rosters had been built so top heavy that when things didn't work out with chris bosh at times or with kevin love or kyrie at times there weren't like these other guys to fall back on because and, there was such a drop off. And that also makes it harder to change the team if it doesn't work. Yes, exactly. Be- because you, you can't, I mean, you, you can funnel out those bottom guys, but there's only so many, you know, I mean, what are you, you're just funneling out your 10th man for like a different 10th man. So unless you're trading Bosch or Wade, theoretically, then mm-hmm. you, your team can't really get any different in this scenario. If things don't work out, these pieces can get moved again yes to something that works um right well, you, all your assets aren't like buyout guys and yeah. LeBron's buddies from earlier in his career you know like never at one point in Miami or even early in his Cleveland days did they bring in a young guy like Larry Nance you know right do you think this increases his chances of staying um I th- I think so but not necessarily for the reason that is obvious I think it increases his chance of staying because I think they're going to be better now okay you know for this season and like i i don't there was no there's no way to me that had they stood pat with isaiah and crowder and wade like that team i just didn't it wasn't going to go to the finals and if it did it was going to get absolutely swept and it wasn't going to be close um and at least with this team like they're going to go down swinging lebron's way you know like like that could you imagine like if that if that if that team the previous iteration of the Cavs was playing in the East Finals and was down 3-1 to Toronto like <laughs> i just can't see lebron even like having the motivation to dig that team out of that you know and now no. it's like all right you know we we got rid of the guys you wanted us to get rid of you know and i think lebron's a smart enough guy like he understands that they couldn't go get paul george it just wasn't oh, yeah. it just wasn't an option you know like yeah I, if they could have they would have done it and they didn't because he wasn't available and i think from what it seemed on Sunday, like LeBron seems pretty happy, at least with the type of players. I don't know if he has any relationships with any of these guys previously, but I mean, he looked a lot more comfortable defensively. They looked a lot better. Granted, I mean, Jr. was six of seven in that game. Clarkson was seven of eleven. Hood was six of eleven. Like they were hitting everything. But yeah, if you watch it, I mean, Clarkson hit a couple a couple of tough shots, but other than that, it was just wide open looks because teams you know for once and you couldn't say this about the earlier version of the Cavs like they you know guys were getting open because they had to protect for someone like Larry Nance running to the rim or someone like George Hill pulling up off the dribble which you weren't really worried about Isaiah this version of Isaiah doing that you certainly weren't worried about Derrick Rose doing that okay yeah I mean and a lot of these guys that they got like Rodney Hood um you know Jordan Clarkson these are guys who 
they they're kind of streaky shooters like they'll they'll go you know oh for eight one game they'll go seven for eight the other game but i'd rather have like three or four of those guys than just one isaiah thomas exactly. or theoretically i would rather have three okay heat check guys mm-hmm. than one massive heat check guy who can right. shoot you out of a game um because then you have just more variety that you can throw out right. there if if one guy's not feeling it you just replace him out there and but yeah, I mean, they were obviously they were scorching hot. They made everything. I don't know if you. I assume you saw it. There was it was like I swear, God, it was like the third possession of the game. J.R. Smith just grabbed the ball, fired up this completely off balance. Yep. Twenty seconds on the shot clock, contested corner three. It just went in. He loves those shots. So it was like his body is behind the backboard by the time he releases it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, honestly, that's that's kind of part of Jr.'s game. Like when Jr. is playing well, he hits those shots, and like I get that it's fluky, but I mean if. You have, he's been doing it for long enough that you can't really yeah that's who he is that's how he gets hot i mean jr right. smith he's not a spot up sugar as much as like no. he's kind of been you gotta let him do like that once or twice exactly. a game i feel like mm-hmm. and the other thing you know in terms of does this help them keep lebron you know i think a lot was made of like oh my god the, how did the cavaliers not realize that the they just helped the lakers open up max space like yeah they knew what they were doing the lakers knew what they were doing the lakers were going to get off that contract anyway and if it wasn't going to be Clarkson's it was going to be someone else like the Lakers were going to create two max slots this summer no matter what yeah and whether it was Cleveland or someone else helping them I don't think it really matters um and the other thing too is I think the general belief was LeBron is pressuring the Cavs to deal the Brooklyn pick if they don't deal the Brooklyn pick that means they're not all in and I don't know if that's I don't know if LeBron was doing that I I don't know but the fact that they still have the Brooklyn pick they still revamp this roster you know, I, I, I've always been of the belief that, like, no matter where this pick lands, it's not – people are talking, like, well, if LeBron, LeBron leaves, they can just reset with this new superstar they get. Like, okay, if the draft is taught as anything, you're not guaranteed to get a superstar. No. But the Nets have been, have been on a slide lately. All of a sudden, that pick is looking much more likely to be top five than it was a few weeks ago. Like, let's say the Cavs get to the finals and lose in four or five games, whatever. And they're not going to win the finals either way if they're going up against Golden State. Um, now your pitch to LeBron is, okay, we have all these guys from this team that in this situation probably played pretty well down the stretch, made it to the finals, and we can either add a young guy that you like out of the draft or what makes a hell of a lot more sense, we can trade this pick and package it with some of these guys who just helped you get the finals. And then, you know, that's when you add your superstars. So the fact that they held on to the pick doesn't mean that they're just not going to trade it. They could still trade it on draft night. Yeah. And I think maybe, I think maybe he was pressuring them to trade the pick with the roster in its current form if that makes sense like he was like well if we're going to do this isaiah thomas like kevin love thing like you we just have to go for it like we can't just have you know um (laughs) you know but i think now with the younger guys i mean lebron gets everybody always talks about like oh you know lebron wants to sign with this like younger team that has more energy that's what they that and that's or at least that's the argument for the lakers that people make or the 76ers when people are like lebron should sign with the 76ers they kind of the Cavs kind of just did that they just went out and traded for a bunch of younger guys they have the pick in their back pocket they're like if you want to stay long term like we have these 25 year olds and a pick Mm. that we can trade or keep if you think that's the best idea um i think they at least improve their pitch it's i'm not I don't yeah think i think it, the pitch is better right it's no guarantee that the pitch is going to work but they at least have a much better pitch now than they did a week ago yeah yeah i mean it'll be interesting i i still think houston makes a lot of sense i mean like we've said before it's it's crazy that lebron is going to be a free agent and there's really only three or four spots that not not only make sense but like cap wise are options like there are a lot of teams that that would love to have a shot at LeBron, but based on what they've done in, in past off seasons, uh, that will not be the case. So Toronto and Boston, you know, teams we've been talking about at the top of the East pretty much stood pat. You know, we know Boston had, had interest in Tyreek Evans, um, ultimately didn't get that one done. And that's probably more on Memphis than anything else. Yeah. They did add Greg Monroe, you know, we'll see how much of an impact he makes. Toronto didn't do anything. And it's not like they were really under any pressure to do anything. They've been playing so well that, you know, maybe you don't want to disrupt anything. Um, I mean, was that if, – if you're Toronto, would you have tried to do anything? Or is it – looking at this market, is that there just wasn't anything out there? I don't think there was anything out there. I mean, I don't think you were going to get Tyreek Evans, and that may have 
I don't know if that would be a chemistry issue. I and I think that like the stuff you would have to send back because I don't. I mean, maybe if I was Toronto, I would have given up given up my first. Do they have their first? I assume they do. Probably. I would have probably given up the first for Tyreek Evans if that was an option. Um, I, I also don't blame them for standing pat. I also probably would have like I would have been completely fine staying where they are right now. Um, they've drafted well, so I don't blame them for theoretically wanting to just hold on to their pick. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since, you know, they're the core of their guys like Abaka, DeRozan, Lowry on these shorter deals. Um, because there was that discussion in the offseason, like, well, what do the Raptors do? Do they blow it up? Do they sign these guys? And then, then they kind of just signed Lowry to like a here's like kind of like two right. years, you know, you're kinda old, like we're just gonna change coaching style and see if this works. Um and they hit with the coaching style change. Um, but I don't think that stops the fact that they are still, I think, kind of, they're also preparing for life after the DeRozan and Lowry thing. And they don't want to be completely in the dumps after this team runs its course. Mm-hmm. So based on how they've acted, I don't feel like it was weird for them not to do anything. No, I agree. I just, I don't know what the move would have been. You know, if there's more guys out there. I do think Tyreek would have been interesting, but I think they also like Van Vliet and DeLon Wright quite a bit. So like that wasn't really as big of a need to them, probably. Yeah, and getting Tyreek would take the ball out of the hands of DeRozan and Lowry, and neither of those guys are really off-ball players as much as, you know, the season's been yeah. different. You know, DeRozan's taking more threes. Lowry just it feels like all he does is shoot threes yeah. at this point. But um, I would still want the ball in their hands mm. most of the time. We I should know by the way the Nets actually own the Raptors first rounder so oh. that was part of the of the Nets uh, taking on Damari Carroll. Oh, this, summer, this which makes I sense. About. I, f- I feel like this is just, he's already been in Brooklyn for so long, but <laughs> no. So yeah, they don't own their pick. I mean, it's going to end up twenty five or later anyway. Okay. Um, so yeah, maybe that was part of it as well. I, th- I think had they had that asset, you know, Memphis is probably looking for a more immediate return than like a twenty twenty pick. That's um, true. that's true. Yeah. I mean, that, the the Grizzlies holding on to Tyreek. That was inexplicable to me. Bizarre. And, and I totally understand, you know, you. I think in past markets, he's absolutely worth the first rounder if you look at the other guys who've, who've generated first round picks. But at some point, you got like, to take something. And, you yeah, know, he's you an expiring wanna, contract. Right, exactly. Like it, <laughs> it, it'd be one thing. If he wasn't expiring and you wanted to just run it back next year with guys healthy, totally yeah. understandable. But even if you want to bring him back, you know, you're – what, are you you're really gonna pony up to pay him i i don't know it was odd i, I can't I, really remember a situation like this where they shut him down for a week and a half leading up to the break you know it wasn't like they were waffling about trading him. <laughs> it was very clear what they wanted to do i don't get it i i understand like if they don't want to tank but the the chandler parsons contract situation makes it really tough marcus all is not getting any younger at all he's having a pretty bad year no, although i don't blame I think him he's for getting that. older yeah, I don't. I don't blame him for um, having a bad year, considering who's on his, who's on the team with him. Um, I will say I'm I'm very glad the Cavs did not trade for Marcus All. I thought that would have been a horrible idea. Okay, I would have been interested only if they could get rid of Tristan Thompson, just because from a floor spacing perspective, yeah. I really like the idea of Marcus All um, on the Cavs. Um, but I just like I don't. I would envision them signing enough free agents i don't even know how they're gonna so what money are they signing free agents they, i mean you know at this point they're probably like well we're running it back next year we'll have we'll, we'll have marcus all mike conley and tyreek evans like we'll make the playoffs i maybe i i just don't know and then what's your ceiling with that roster it's it's not good um you know first round you win one game um i I don't know. I would blow it up, but I, that's easy just for me to sit here and say that. Right. I mean, the clock is kind of ticking if they're going to do that. Um, yeah. Especially and that's with a, Gasol. Every year that you don't do that, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's it's obvious. Every year that you don't do it is one year later right. that you do it. But people, mm-hmm. how long, I mean, you know, mediocrity is not exciting for the fan base right. um, in general. But Tyreek Evans is fun to watch play. Mike Conley's is, is a really good player. Mm-hmm. I still like Marcus All. Like I get it if they want to just not let this if they don't want this to die because it was a really great era. Yeah. And they just want to run it out instead of like trading them all like the Celtics kind of did um with their core. I get that. Um there's a huge part of the city, obviously, but I just don't know. I don't know the future there. Uh I have a question for you. What's better than fantasy sports? 
Nothing. Nothing. Well, actually, that's incorrect. The future of fantasy sports oh, is better than fantasy sports. I think you sports. got me with this last yeah, week. Yeah, I did. You're, you know, maybe next week. The Fantasy <laughs> Gold team is bringing you just that. Welcome to DraftDaily.com. It's crypto. It's currency. It is sports. Draft Daily is the new standard in the fantasy sports industry with almost non-existent fees, 100% trackable transactions, and 0% risk of chargebacks. Draft Daily is taking the industry by storm, making the game we all love both safer and cheaper to play. Draft Daily has brought fantasy sports and blockchain technology together to create the ultimate experience and platform. On Draft Daily, users can play without worry and without fees digging into their profits. DraftDaily.com introduces cryptocurrency to the masses. What better way to do that than to merge crypto with fantasy? You can play on DraftDaily.com today where players and the game they love are the focus. DraftDaily.com. Okay, so I have one more Cavs-related question, uh, and then we'll do we'll do our All-Star, All-Star Saturday picks real quick, and then we'll oh, wrap man. this up. Okay, high but, pressure. Um. Yesterday in the office, we were talking about the scenario that, that I laid out earlier about Cleveland holding on to this Brooklyn pick, shopping it around the draft. What type of return would, would be acceptable? Let's say that pick lands somewhere in the top three, and I think it has to be top three for, uh, for this scenario to, to kind of be the, at its most fun. Um, so like right. what, what, what players or what teams are you calling if you're Kobe Altman and you hold the number two pick in the 2018 draft uh, and you're willing to move that pick and maybe a couple of these other guys who are either on the roster or just got to the roster. Um, I mean, I think Paul George, you know, he's going to be a free agent, but I think he's, he's involved somehow, whether that's outright or sign and trade. Um, another uh, two names I threw out to James were McCollum and Lillard. Man, that's... You know? would you flip? I, I don't know how the money would line up, but let's say Clarkson, some other filler, the number two pick to Portland for Damian Lillard. What are you getting? I mean, I, I think so. Why not? I don't know. Like, what do you? I mean, what are you getting in Damian Lillard that Kyrie Irving didn't get you? Although, I mean, Kyrie Irving. I mean, Kyrie Irving left not because it was a bad fit for the team. It was just he left because he didn't like it there. Right. Um. I think I would do that. I mean, if how old's Lillard? Is he like twenty eight? He's Maybe a little older, yeah, just because he, you know, played longer in college. Um, yeah, I think I would do that. What, I mean, would you? Do you feel like the Trailblazers would do that? Well, that's the other question. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that the Blazers would do it, but I think in this scenario, Portland makes the playoffs, and you know, let's say gets swept out around one by the Rockets. I don't know. I'm not sure they'll ever give up on the Lillard McCollum okay. thing. I that's just personal opinion. I really don't know. Um, do I would. You, I mean, do you think they'd do it for McCollum? I would think they would be way more willing to trade McCollum than Lillard. Um, but oh man, I don't know. I mean, they're kind of in a desperate. They kind of have their backs against the wall. That's the thing right. too, um, where you can. A team like it's kind of what happened with Detroit, where the Clippers realized, hey, Detroit's kind of got their back against the wall. Stan Van Gundy does specifically. Um, we also are not in a great situation, but we can get rid of that. We can mm. just, hey, you want Blake Griffin? Like, screw it. Right. Um, and so the the Cavs could be like, you want the third pick, and I don't know who else, Jordan Clarkson, Kevin Love, maybe for some more stuff. Um, I feel like they'd be more willing to part with kevin love and the brooklyn pick for something like just not massive but i mean i mean i think that would be a pretty massive deal assuming love comes back and plays well in the playoffs that's the other thing we haven't mentioned with cleveland is they're going to get kevin love back they are you know right before the playoffs which is a nice boost the thing is that the options are pretty limited like you look team to team if you're the Cavs, the dream scenario is davis becomes unhappy and wants out and you can do love clarkson the brooklyn pick for davis Although I don't even know if that's enough, you know. I mean, with with Davis, you're you're kind of talking about a different caliber of player than Lillard. Yeah, I mean, do you think Miami would have any interest? I mean, I don't know if the teams really those two teams want to do business, but Miami has that like plethora of like like we talked about earlier, 
like these kind of just filler right. depth guys. And if Cleveland's going with that concept, just double down on the Rodney Hood types. Yeah, I, see, that's the thing. Though. I think if you're gonna, I don't disagree with you that that would that would not be the worst course of action. I just if you're gonna trade as high a profile as a pick as that one, especially the way that it's been talked about for at that point, like a calendar year, you got it. Like you can't trade that pick and be like, Hey, we got four really, really okay players instead of one star. Like you got to have, you got to have like a centerpiece to sell that deal. Yeah. And I think a lot of this depends on where the pick falls. Like you said, if it falls at three, then that scenario make, doesn't make as much sense. If it falls at seven, then that's the type of deal maybe you look at. Right. If it's, if it's one, two, three, you know, and obviously it escalates as it goes up things become a little a little easier it's just i mean when you're going to deal a pick like that for an already existing player under contract you kind of want it to be a McCollum type who has three more years you know you know yeah. you, you can't deal that really for an expiring unless you get some sort of under the table promise and you look at like the bad teams in the league that would love to have that pick like what what are the, which of those teams has a guy you know like the suns aren't going to give you devin booker I don't think the Lakers have anybody that you really want. Do you the think Bulls Mike, don't have anybody? Do you think Mike Conley's worth it? Or that was another name I was, brought up. Okay, I think you could do. Yeah, I mean that's 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 that almost feels like a lot to give up for Mike Conley though, coming off of a season that he played like 15 games and is coming off of major surgery. And you do have George Hill, and obviously Mike Conley's better than George Hill. But then you yeah. have to get rid of. I mean, you would have to get rid of George Hill. Is it really worth the effort to get rid of him? plus giving up theoretic let's say the fifth pick yeah for mike conley maybe what about john wall <laughs> john wall and lebron together seems like a ridiculous would anyone ever touch the ball except to just fire yeah. up a shot immediately he seems like the type of guy that lebron would like convince himself that he'd love to play with though it, it feels scary. like that yeah. but then john wall would spend like 20 minutes of the game without the ball in his hands right. and be like am i a spot of shooter now should i be cutting exactly. the basket well, see, the problem, like what you said earlier, is like LeBron is in this mode where he wants to build super teams, but other super teams work out because LeBron isn't involved in them because no one has the gravitational pull that LeBron does. And the fact that he's still not super comfortable as a catch and shoot guy kind of complicates things. Like he has to be the guy whenever he's on the court. Yeah. You don't have to say the same about Durant no. or even Curry because because of their off ball abilities. And like while LeBron probably has that in his bag you know not to the degree that those guys do certainly he's just not he's not going to play off ball and it's hard to find two superstars who are willing to sign up to be second fiddles you know yeah and I mean the I guess maybe the most I mean I think what we're seeing in Houston is really interesting for that reason because Harden and Chris Paul are not unlike LeBron in their ball dominance like the fact that they both both of them are neither great off ball players um, and they put two of them together and then just surrounded them with literally just catch and shoot guys, three right. and D players, a, a rim running center. Um, and it's working out like really well. Um, so I think, yeah, I think you could, I think maybe LeBron and John Wall could work out together, but the two, I mean, both of those guys are so stylist, like stylistically different from Chris Paul mm-hmm. and James Hargan. I mean, John Wall is, he's some, he's more like Chris Paul maybe, but yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's I I still think like LeBron has to be maybe I'm just old school in my LeBron opinions that he should just be the the person that just runs your entire yeah. offense no matter what he should decidedly be the best person on your team um yeah. and yeah even Ke- the Kevin Love pairing to me was always kind of awkward because I always felt like he was better just doing his own thing like post-ups they kind of turned into a spot up shooter mm-hmm. I've mixed opinions about that whole thing anyway right. The, the one thing, like, I didn't really want them to get DeAndre, but I did, I kind of like that thought of like a rim runner who just knows he's a rim runner. Like yeah. that third guy needs to know he's the third guy. Is that not Larry Nance? I, well, it might be now. <laughs> I mean, I, I, right now, I don't even know who the second guy is with Kevin Lovehurt. Uh, okay, last thing Jeff I want to throw out, Kawhi Leonard. That pick probably has to be one or two to get to even get the Spurs on the phone. Oh, you're, ta- oh, you're talking about tra- oh trading for Kawhi Leonard. Trading for Kawhi Leonard. With the rumors that he's unhappy. Right. So okay. you need a lot to break in your favor in that in that off-court situation. Um, well, Jalen Rose I've, is very convinced that Kawhi Leonard is extremely unhappy and may leave um, for I'm what sure that's worth. to get to Cleveland, Ohio as soon as he can. Right. Um, I can't imagine... I mean, we're gonna say like I can't imagine the Spurs trading Kawhi. Um, 
But yeah, I think if it was the one or the two pick, they would think about it, especially considering the state that their team is in mm-hmm. aside from Kawhi Leonard. If Kawhi Leonard's not there, like, I mean, like, they, you know, they're third in the West, but it's not a very comfortable third at all. No. It's, and no one's scared of the Spurs team. And, like, they've they've earned the right to get the benefit of the doubt. But I think if you're, if you're Oklahoma City or even Portland getting the Spurs team in round one, like, you know, you fear them and you respect them because it's Pop and it's the Spurs. But if Kawhi's not out there, it's it's a different ballgame. Yeah. I I think it would have to be maybe top three. I mean, it would really depend on, like, I guess, who the Spurs feel like is worth drafting yeah. and who even knows what they – I mean, they – They haven't picked in the top 20, let alone the top five, in, like, two decades. Yep, and so it would have to be the right guy. I've – I mean, it's, it, in this situation, it would depend much, much more on Kawhi's off-court situation. If Kawhi's happy, he's not tradable. If Kawhi's unhappy, then, I mean, it's, it's, in a lot of ways, it's like Kyrie, right? Like, we weren't sitting here this time last year saying, you know, who's going to, what if Boston got Kyrie? Like, that would have been true. insane. And the other thing, too, is like Cleveland can make that pick and then just kind of do what they did with Wiggins. And yeah. Like, it doesn't, the deal, if they, if they don't have the deal they want on June 22nd, Maybe they have the deal they want on August 1st, you know? I mean, who knows? Like, at the time of the draft, Kyrie was still very much a Cavalier. Yeah. And and then in that scenario, I guess if, yeah, if if Cleveland ends up wanting to keep the pick or at least make the pick for themselves, like, if they don't have a deal immediately in place, mm-hmm. they could just do, go the classic, like, just draft the best player available. Just don't even think about fit because yep. there's a pretty high percentage chance they're going to look to trade them anyway, and teams will just be looking at that specific guy. Right. Um yeah, it's I mean, fun. it's this is yeah. I'm pretty excited. Okay, let's do All Star Weekend picks, and then we'll we'll wrap this up. So, okay. real quick, slam dunk contest. <clears throat> you have Dennis Smith, Donovan Mitchell, Larry Nance, and Victor Oladipo. Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. Okay, I'm not. I'm gonna wait and give my picks on Thursday. I need more time to think about it. Okay, um, but I will say I'm not picking Donovan Mitchell. Really? Uh, although I think Dennis Smith is actually the Vegas favorite. Oddly enough. Um, is he really it's all pretty close he's seven to four mitchell's 11 to five nance 13 to five and old depot four to one i think nance has a good chance but like who is the last big man to win it dwight yeah and that was that was all props to some extent i think what deandre's been in it drummond's been in it Giannis Giannis bombed it Giannis put on like the worst dunk contest performance ever yeah I mean, it's tough. Larry Nance isn't that big, though. You know, like he's, no. he's only, what, six? He's probably, like, six seven and without shoes. Right. I just think Mitchell is, like, the perfect yeah. size, and he's a great athlete. Smith might have to work. I He's short, so the dunks are going to look. They're going to mm-hmm. be high-flying, but I don't know how much he can actually do. Right. He might be slightly too short. Right. Mitchell is, like, if you're designing a guy for a dunk contest, he's got the frame. And Oladipo was in it before, mm-hmm. and but I just don't feel like – I don't feel like I've seen him do anything like high flying this year that has made me be like, wow, this guy will win a dunk contest if he's in it. So I got Mitchell. Three point shootout. Clay Thompson, Eric Gordon, Devin Booker, Paul George, Wayne Ellington, Brad Beal, Kyle Lowry, and Tobias Harris. <laughs> um I don't know how the hell Tobias Harris got into this. He well well now he's a clipper, so this I mean it's in LA, right? It is so, in LA. So well this this just makes more sense now. Um, I think I'm just going to take Thompson. Yeah, I can't give you a single reason why you shouldn't take Clay Thompson. Yeah, it's a very boring, like, the guy with the highest three-point yeah. percentage pick. He's just, like, as good of a – Curry's the best shooter ever, but Thompson might – like, his game and his shooting style was designed for this type of format. Yeah, because that's what he does. He just right. He just if, picks the ball if you up. Didn't, he, if you dribbled into every shot, Curry would win this every year. Yeah. But, the picking it up <laughs> off the rack thing is much more in Clay's wheelhouse. A one dribble pull up three point contest. Yeah, I kind of Beal is seventeen to two. He has the sixth highest odds. I don't hate that. I think he's got a good shot. Really? Yeah. Eric Gordon has the second best odds. He won it last year. Booker is hurt right now, and it doesn't sound like he's going to play before the All Star break. But he's still like set on doing this contest. That one's. I mean, how much lift does he even? Yeah, I just. It's got a hip thing. I don't know. There's something about like yeah, he's going to be okay because he doesn't have to turn his hips. It's like so he's. He's really going to be hurt doing this thing. Like they're <laughs> going to let this happen. I just, yeah, I don't think he's going to win. I, I would take hurt. those Beal odds. Let me yeah. say that right. Those, those feel like good odds. Yeah, um, I thought so too. Yeah. 
Okay, uh, skills challenge, last one. Lou Will, Jamal Murray, Horford, Dinwiddie, Embiid, Buddy Heald, Laurie Markinen, <laughs> and Andre Drummond. I did not even know Buddy Heald was in this. What is this just like a California thing? I don't even know. I mean, is he even? I don't even know if he's in the Rising Stars game. Do we have odds for Buddy Heald? Six to one, baby. That's that's pretty high, isn't it? They're all pretty close, though. Okay, that's understandable because Lou Will is is the favorite at seven to two. The the part of the problem with this contest is if you screw up the pass, you're like done. Unless exactly. unless two that. other people screw up the pass. It's all about making that chess pass. So really the question is, who is the best passer? Right. Who makes well, the best chess passes? Last year, Porzingis won this thing. Hmm. Keep that in mind. I'm going to go, man. I think two years ago, Patrick Beverly won it. Jamal really Murray. Not, yeah, there's no way to like, going historically Jam- predict. I'm going Jamal Murray. Okay, Jamal Murray at 4-1. to Um yeah, I'm, I'm again. I'm gonna reserve my picks, but I don't. I don't hate that one. I think a lot of the skills challenge is about effort too. Like if you, you can shave a couple seconds off if you're not jogging like half these guys do, and like that part of me thinks Embiid might win it because I think he's gonna go hard. Like he wants to. Oh, I'm sure he wants to win very badly. Yeah, he's got the same odds as Buddy Heald, which is criminal. <laughs> okay, that'll do it for us. Um, ben will be back tomorrow, and I'll be back with James on Thursday. We'll do a full All Star preview. Should be fun.